that's based on a verse from Rupa Goswami, a Sanskrit verse? Yeah. So, what is that verse, the Sanskrit verse? And oh, I don't remember uh, the. Uh, it from I don't have it committed to memory at this point, but um, it is the uh, the verse from the uh, second chapter of the first wave, or the eastern wave, the beginning of the book, the chapter on Sadhana Bhakti. And at the onset of the chapter, the Buddha Swami defines Sadhana Bhakti and as uh, that as that which uh, uh, that uh, form Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Sadhyam, I can't remember now. Uh, maybe the first or second verse of the second uh, chapter, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Bhakti is that, um, Sadhana Bhakti is that expression of Bhakti that is um, manifest on, th- on or through the senses. Hmm? Um, the objective of which is to attain bhava, which means that um, there are two, in one sense, aspects to bhakti. There's an active and an emotive aspect of bhakti. As Rupa Goswami describes um, also in his in the first chapter where he defines bhakti anyabhilashita sunyam jnana karmadi anabhartam anukulena krishnanu shilam second wave? no, first wave second chapter East, yeah, the one two one two one um, anushilam, the verb shilam the root shilam um, indicates both active and emotive so the, the in sadhana bhakti and I was telling you about this the other day, we engage in bhakti with the senses. So you hear with your ears, you chant with your, your tongue, and so on and so forth. And that um, action, if you will, of bhakti is not being driven by the emotive uh, aspect or experience of bhakti, bhava. Hmm? So bhava bhakti is bhakti proper because it has the active ingredient and the emotive ingredient, which in that case drives the action. So prior to that, then the actions that one performs in bhakti are kind of like apprenticeship, so to speak. Hmm? And um, bhakti, with the senses, we engage in bhakti. Um, and as a result of that, in due course, then we attain the um, bhava, which means we attain the ideal of our practice that is itself eternal. Hitchasiddha sibhavasya. This is that's from the verse there. Um, one, two, two. Yeah, here it is. Here, kriti sadhya bhavet sadhya bhava sa sadhanadi bhi. Nityasiddhasya bhavasya prakatyam hrisadhyata. 
So this is the Sanskrit verse of Rupa Goswami, and it's cited in Chaitanya Charitamrita. The way Chaitanya Charitamrita works, for the most part, is that every uh, philosophical and theological point that Krishnadas raises is um, and uh, in his in the in the Bengali language in Bangla, he he then supports with a verse from Bhagavatam, from the Gita, from the writings of the Goswamis. So the verse that 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 I mentioned that you bring up, the Bengali verse, how's it go? Nityasiddha, Krishna Prem, Sadhakabunai, Shravanadi Sutachite Koreya Idoi is his way of, in Bengali of saying what's being said here. Therefore, you have to understand the context to understand that verse. That verse is um, not about, for example, the nature of the jiva. What is the constitution of the jiva? Because the verse is sometimes misconstrued to, to say that bhakti is, in, is inherent in the jiva. Nityasiddha Krishna Prem, it means the prem or the bhav prem is it is it is a distillation of the bhava thickening of the bhava that prem is eternal <coughs> this is the point it's making the object and i've made this point well in our discussions recently the object of your practice is eternal your goal okay that makes sense right so nitya <coughs> Krishna Prem. Krishna Prem is Nityasiddha. It's eternally perfect. Sadhakabunai. It's not something that arises out of, that didn't happen, it, it didn't exist before, and you do something and it happens. It, then, it, then it appears, like things of this world. It doesn't exist, you do something, and it manifests, and of course then it disappears in due course. It's not like that. Hmm? Nityasiddha Krishna Prem, Sadhakabunai. It's like saying it positively and negatively. It is Siddha Krishna Prem, Sadhya How does it how does it manifest then in the Jiva? Shravanadi. Shravana means hearing. Adi means no. Etc. Shravanadi, here it means it said it also means that Shravanadi means hearing, chanting. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam, Padasevanam, these Angas. Um, of bhakti and and the, he's mentioning the the um, surupsita angas of bhakti that have inherent power in them bhakti in them so he says shravanadi sudhachite when by engaging with the senses in implication is implication is in hearing and chanting etc sudhachite the chit the chitta hmm, becomes shudha becomes purified. Hmm? That means the material, some scars that are imprinted on it that cause us to act habitually in, in, in ways that um, are constitute distraction from our goal and so forth. When, when that chitta is, is, uh, is, is purified, hmm? The way that it's purified, of course, as Mahaprabhu says, Mahaprabhu says the same thing, Chaito Darpanam Arjunam. Hmm? Right? He says, Bhaskirtan, 
Cheta Darpanam. And Cheta means Cheta Darpanam Marginum, cleaning Marginum, the mirror. So this means this Cheta has like a reflective kind of uh, nature. So it reflects pure consciousness, and then it, if it focuses on the material world, it reflects material images that come on it. And then they drive, in many respects, our, our, our actions and so forth, right? So, Ushavanadi Suda Chitte. By hearing and chanting, the Chitta becomes Shuddha. That means Chitta Dharpana Marginum, right? And then, Shavanadi Suda Chitte Koraye Udai. Then that Bhakti that is Nitisiddha, eternally existing, it arises in the heart. Kore Udai. It, it, it appears, it manifests. Hmm? That's what the verse says. Now, we'll read the translation for Rupa Goswami's verse. And he cites the verse after he, after he, he uh, gives that verse, he cites this verse, either after or before. I mean, in other words, one is the Bengali rendering of the original Sanskrit verse, which is Again, the context is important to understand what the verse is saying. The definition of sadhana bhakti, it's not a definition of the constitution of the jiva, what's the jiva made up of. Hmm? It has nothing to do with that. But it has something to do with what the, what, the, what the potential of the jiva is in connection with bhakti. Hmm? It can, it's, it, the atma of the self can become arise, so to speak, um, above the cloud of the citta hmm, when it's cleansed and because that cleansing has been done by bhakti right then something positive is happening at the same time and what's happening is that that nityasiddha bhava that's eternally existing where is it eternally existing? right it has a locus right it has a locus it has a location Hmm? And and it's located in kind of a twofold way. It has an object, and then it, there is the the embodiment of it. So the vishaya lambda, the ashraya lambda, these two. Hmm? Hmm. So it's eternally existing in Goloka, and the embodiments of that nityasiddha Krishna Prem are nanda. Ishoda and Vatsalya, Sridam, Sudam, Zadra, Lalita, Vishaka, so forth, in Madhurya Rasa. Hmm. That's where it is. It's not saying it's in it's in your heart, it's inherent in the jiva, it's not in this fleshy heart, neither it's in in the in the Atma. It's not about that. But it will manifest there. And in his commentary on this Sanskrit verse here of Chaitanya Charitamrita, that, that verse is um, saying in Bengali, Vishwanachakri um, Thakur gives a nice example. He says that just as Krishna appears in the prison house of Kamsa, you ever go to the Janmastan in, uh, in uh, Mathura, the birthplace of Krishna? So you go there and then you go, and then you go underground and there's a, a prison there and Krishna was born in the prison of Kamsa. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a good example because our cave-like hearts <laughs> are are not the place you would expect to find Krishna. 
neither you would expect to find him in a, in a prison underground, uh, you know, uh, and so forth. But he does appear there. He manifests there. Hmm? So bhakti and this Nityasiddha Krishna praying that in a sense is non-different from Krishna because it's the corresponding love that corresponds with the object of love that is Krishna. It manifests in the heart in the same way or similarly to the way that Krishna appears in the prison of Kamsa, which means, well, the prison house of Kamsa is not the origin of Krishna. Hmm? In other words, the prison house of Kamsa doesn't have Krishna inherent um, within it eternally, right? And you just go there and you know turn the key, and there he is, or something like that. But of his own accord, he manifests there. Hmm? So bhakti of her own accord manifests there through the medium of bhakti herself in the form of sadhana bhakti. So sadhana bhakti begets bhava bhakti is the idea. Hmm? You understand? So the, the verse of Rupa Goswami, um, he says, Kriti, kriti sadhya bhavet sadhya. Hmm. Kriti sadhya, action. Hmm. Uh, kriti sadhya bhavet sadhya. Bhava sadhananabhi sadhananabhita. Action with the senses, which produces the stage of bhava. Hmm. Bhava sadhananabhita which is Nityasiddha, Bhava said. And he says, anyway, I'll read the whole thing. The action of the senses which produces the stage of Bhava is called Sadhana Bhakti. So if you think you're doing Sadhana Bhakti, it's not really ha- doesn't, it hasn't really happened until you've attained Bhava. Anyway, that means that's, that's what the focus is, that's the goal, right? So you're in an interim stage here. Um, And I think it could be a better translation, but action of the senses, it means hearing and chanting with the senses, right? Bhakti on the senses, bhakti engaged in with the senses. It means mechanically, through the senses, without any feeling. Now obviously we have something, we have our material feeling, and we invest it all in, in there, and our aspiration, we give our will, and we want to attain, and gradually, of course, material emotions are... Um, 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 replaced also with the spiritual emotion and you have feeling then your hearing and chanting is driven by the feeling hmm? rather than being driven because somebody else has feeling like my groom rush had feeling so I wanted to feel like that so I do what he does hmm? imitation of a good thing is a good thing oh he's he's like that I want to be like that what does he do? he does these things he hears he chants so I do those things that's sadhana bhakti and then in the context of that sadhana bhakti as you you learn you know what is the philosophy and the theology underneath all those practices and what is the philosophical um, understanding of the feeling that he has so you get this theoretical knowledge especially as you come to nishta the intelligence is engaged and so you're, lear- you're learning you're, your faith is going to grow because you're learning what it is you're doing and what it's about and, and the why of it and so forth. Um, you, have, you have to avoid an intellectual sleight of hand that by knowing theoretically what is Bhava that you think you've got it or something like that. that that's a, that's, it w- can be helpful. 
uh, to attain it, but it's much easier to get the theoretical knowledge than it is to get bhava, which is sumbhulabha. Hmm? Rare, difficult to attain, but you will attain it because it can't mean it means it can't be attained by other practices. Sankhya, by yoga, by jnana, it's rare. It can be attained by the kind of uttam bhakti that Rupa Goswami is explaining. And we need to understand it or our capacity to pursue and attain that bhakti will be enhanced by understanding and by and, and as much as we can and otherwise make up for the balance of we, which we can understand intellectually by hanging on to the dhoti of somebody or sorry, whatever is the case of, uh, whatever they're wearing <laughs> who knows who has the feeling, right? So, <laughs> action engaging in bhakti mechanically we can say, with the senses, right? Now, you know it, there's this um, obviously this this spectrum right? you're on a spectrum, so some feeling will come, some, some abhas of bhava will come and then you feel enlightened right? some feeling and they will go away and this and so, so not entirely mechanically but largely compared to bhava-bhakti. So, action of the senses with bhakti, which produces the stage of bhava, is called sadhana-bhakti. This is attain, this attained state of bhava-bhakti, sadhyata, hridi-sadhyata, hridi-sadhyata, attaining it in the heart. This attained state of bhava is an eternal stai bhav, which is not created, but simply manifests within the atma by the spiritual energy of Krishna. Hmm? You understand? Which is what I said. It's not cre- it's not a part of the atma. It's not something that's created within time um, or by endeavor alone. Some endeavor there, but then along uh, with grace, it manifests of its own accord. Hmm? This is the idea. You understand? So that verse is is a definition of sadhana bhakti. So to misconstrue it as being an explanation of the constitution of the soul and and that uh, Krishna Prem is in the soul. Sometimes Prabhupada say Prem is in the soul. So I mean, I have some love, but it's material love. So we need to trans- get rid of, replace that, if you will, but with um, with um, spiritual love. Does that help? Are we clear on that one? It's an important important point that this is misunderstood often. Yes? Well, I was discussing this point with someone, and um, <laughs> I, uh, they said, well, praying is inherent. And I said, well, if praying is inherent, then Maya is stronger than praying. And um, Archie said, I don't know if that's a strong enough argument, because... Um, we're practicing bhakti now and still overcome by maya periodically. So could you comment about whether that's a strong argument or not for the position that prema is inherent? Well, there may be stronger arguments, but um, uh, to say that um, um, I mean, prema is the full manifestation of bhakti. So, in the presence of the full manifestation of bhakti, there can't be any maya. So it's a strong argument in that sense, because if praying is in your heart, then 
mean, how can Maya have any standing? The point is, Prem is not in the heart. The jiva has a little bit of ananda in its own constitution, but it's not enough to dispel Maya. What to speak of overwhelmed Krishna, which Prem has the capacity to do, Prem Bhakti. The ananda, the ladini of Prem Bhakti, has the power to overwhelm Krishna. By as a byproduct, it dispels the influence of Maya. And it's apparent that the Atma, as spiritual and non-material as it is, doesn't have that power, otherwise we wouldn't be in the predicament that we find ourselves. Hmm? So then you have to say, well, then they say, well, okay, maybe not praying, but 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 the seed of praying or something, right? And it would be watered and so forth. Then there are so many other um, um, important arguments, and here's one right here <laughs> that uh, explains that uh, Krishna's is source is not the prison house of uh, of Kamsa. In the commentary here, um, there's some some of these points I made are I'm, I'm sure are supported. Jiva um, Kusama Sadhana is that by which Baba and Prem are achieved. Baba is not included in Sadhana. However, the Sadhya or the perfected form, is also Bhakti, being part of it. So Bhakti begets Bhakti. So Sadhana Bhakti begets Baba Bhakti. Doesn't get something. We get something else. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? Uh, he's saying uh, word sadhya bhava, meaning one whose goal is bhava bhakti. Hmm? Uh, another meaning is achieving its goal. In any case, he says. Uh, let's see. Uh, a doubt may arise that since somebody's got something underlined. Let's hear what Duval is coming. <laughs> a doubt may arise that since this state is achieved, sadhya, implying that it is artificially produced, it is not the ultimate goal. Because if it's achieved and not already existing, then it can't be the ultimate goal. Because the ultimate goal has to be something that's eternal. Right? As we've been explaining. The second line, Jiva Goswami says, responds to this doubt by saying that this bhava, this means a stai bhava, which has two stages, bhavankur, a budding stage, and then a mature stage. In the mature stage, the, the, the stai bhava is rasa. That's why we say, sakirati can be speaking about bhavankur, the sprouting of bhakti, or it can be speaking about um, uh, uh, sakirasa. Sometimes to Make that clear. Instead of using the term sakirati, we say sakirasa. So and he says. So the second line responds to the stout, saying that this stayibhav is eternal and simply appears within the heart. This is because, Duval underlines, highlights its appearance, but it's not its creation, will be accomplished in the future by the special actions of the most excellent transformations of Sambit and Ladini, of the Lord Surup Shakti, which are perfect and eternal. Hmm. So, um, anyway, yeah, you, you can um, study the commentary. Commentary on this verse which is defining sadhana bhakti, look at the, and then look at the verse in the next chapter that defines bhava bhakti, and look at the commentaries there. And there you'll find, well, 
we know what sadhana bhakti is, it's about attaining bhava bhakti, and something about the nature of bhava bhakti has been described in this verse, more in the verse that defines bhava bhakti itself. Hmm? I think Jiva says there, it's, that, may, that may be where Vishma's commentary is, uh, that I mentioned about Krishna's prison house, uh, and Jiva Goswami says it's existing in the associates of Krishna. But there are many, many, many um, points, the more you think about it, the more obvious it becomes that that Prem or Bhakti is not inherent in the Jiva. I mean, Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur's book, Madhurya Kadambani, begins with a very lengthy argument um, uh, as to what is the source of, where does Bhakti come from? And he, has, he doesn't say it comes from your heart, it's only there. He says it comes from through bhakti, which a form of which is sadhusanga, so it's contagious. You 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 meet someone that has it, and then you get it. It's it's transferred, and that's the way material life works. Karnam gunasanga as you associate, so you become. This is a law that pertains to the tatasta shakti. That's the meaning of the tatasta shakti, as it associates associates, so it becomes. Like I say, it, it has it's of a nature. It lends itself to nurture. So if, if we are nurtured by the Maya Shakti, then we're going to develop false bhavas, feelings, in relation to objects that are illusory, here today and gone tomorrow. A personality is going to rise out of it and so forth that uh, can't be sustained hmm? because of the nature of the Maya Shakti. Now, if, this, if, you, do, if you associate with it, you're nourished by the Sarup Shakti, these are opposites, you see. Maya Shakti, Sarup Shakti. It's like the light and the cigar. The similarities between the Turn off. So, he needs to touch the button on the top of this thing again. Still on. Okay. Yeah. So, by you. There's some similarity between the Maya Shakti and the Sarup Shakti. That's why Durga is a name for Radha, as well as the goddess who presides over the material energy. That's why Prabhupada used an example. Oh, electrical energy needs to deheat or to cool. Opposites. So there's some kind of like correspondence, in a sense, between Maya Shakti and, and Sarup Shakti. Although they're different, right? But they have, they are an environment. They they and, and and then they have some play upon the other shakti, which is in between tatasta. That's what it means. It can reside in either realm, and as it wherever it, whichever it's nourished by, it's going to determine its its residence, its personality, its everything about it. So when we get ingress of bhakti. Through sadhu sangha, then gradually this is is giving rise to our potential to be a spiritual person that can function in the leela. And now, what do we say? It's important to note that that the, the bhava that we will attain is eternal. You might say, well, I'm going to be a new you know new gopi uh, there. So I guess I have a beginning, huh? How can that be? No, you don't. Because the bhava that you're attaining already exists. Gopi bhava already exists. The sakya bhava, gopa bhava, it already exists. 
It's already there in the paradigmatic figures of the Leela. Hmm? And what it's doing is eternally manifesting newer and newer ways of pleasing Krishna. And you will be one of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm? And with Sakyabhav is is manifesting in different ways, and one of the ways it's manifesting is in, in different friends of Krishna. Hmm? And that's its nature. So, as I said, there's a being and a becoming in Bhakti. Hmm? So, you know, if, if you've got Bhakti inherent in Tathasta Jiva, you don't have a Tathasta anymore. Hmm? And the argument is, is not bad, actually. How can it be influenced by the Maya Shakti then? Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the Sarup Shakti enters the heart of the Jiva when they begin to practice. Yeah, that's true. So, so it's like, it seems like it's like a really interesting, probably the only place where all the Sarup Shakti, Maya Shakti, and the Jiva all simultaneously exist. Which is interesting, and well, it comes back to her point. So, if the Srut Shakti is there, Maya Shakti are there in the heart of the Jiva, then until the Srut Shakti comes to a certain pitch, the Maya Shakti can still cover it like a cloud covers the sun. Yeah, so that's why I say in Sadhana Bhakti, she's, you said, she said, praying. What so is the, the what, what? Shakti, I mean, it's she said, praying is inherent. If praying is inherent, how can praying be inherent? Because if praying is inherent, then there could be no influence of maya. You said at a certain stage, well, praying is the ultimate stage, so it's fully manifest. So the argument to move back from for somebody of that persuasion is to say, well, okay, praying's not there, but some bhakti's there inherent in the jiva. Hmm? Right? Which is kind of how you're, you're kind of thinking about it. Maybe they could argue like this. Because even if we say bhakti makes ingress from outside through association, then there's a little bit in us, and we're still influenced by the maya shakti and so forth. But, um, um, again, yes, that's sadhana bhakti. That's bhakti without the emotive aspect of it, which is really what it's all about, right? It's an unripe mango. Yeah. It's still a mango. It's an unripe mango. It's still a mango. It's still bhakti, but still, with that, that emotive aspect is bhakti proper. And then action that arises out of the emotion, actions that don't arise out of the emotion but are mechanically performed, is a weak er form of bhakti. So yes, there's a meaning of the minds of the shaktis <laughs> at that uh, a kind of confluence of the shaktis and so forth at that point. But um, the jiva, being part of this whole affair, exercises its will and and chooses what's favorable for Krishna rejects what's unfavorable is the Sharanagati and gradually that bhakti uh, develops uh, within the sadhaka and proportionately maya is dispelled. Hmm? So if you want to make an argument that okay bhakti, praying bhakti is not inherent but some bhakti is inherent. Hmm? Well uh, okay that effectively kind of counters this particular argument that she had in one sense. But but then there, then there, then then you have to say, well, okay, but where does it say anywhere that bhakti is part of the constitution of the jiva? I mean, you've, have you read the Bhagavad Gita? It talks in the second chapter about the nature of the atma. There's no there's nothing said there that the bhakti is inherent in 
somewhere in the Upanishads with all its description of the Atma. Hmm? Do you think the Gyanis would agree? <laughs> the Bhakti's inherent in the Atma? Hmm? Right? They, they, they would speak of it. Of, and, they, and they're Gyanis. They think they know the Upanishads. And they, their whole preoccupation is introspection on the Atma and Brahman. That's what they're totally preoccupied. So they know, you know something about it. Uh, they, there's something they don't know about it, but they know that they, they, they look at bhakti as some something else, some you know, some, some they look at it largely as something from from Sattvaguna even. So it's hardly inherent in the in the jiva. Um, so you know, that's another argument uh, um, in Bhagavatam as well. Anywhere uh, where there's a description of the atma. In Paramatma Sandarbha, this is the Paramatma Sandarbha. This is dealt with at some length by Jiva Goswami. He describes uh, the, the constituents of the the the, the, the constituents, the, the 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 composition, if you will, of of the Jiva. And there's nothing about bhakti in there. Bhakti is not a right. It's 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 a grace. Hmm? Um, and if bhakti were in Inherent, how could mukti be a form of uh, uh, in be a form of liberation? There are no bhakti manifests. I'm sorry, Dilal, you had a point to make. Yes, uh, I had the good fortune of reading Vishwanath, or starting to read Vishwanath's extensive commentary in the uh, the uh, uh, discourse between the Vishnu Dutas and the Yamadutas. And a couple interesting things came up that really struck me. One is bhakti can fade away, but that that bhakti that supports jnana. In other words, if you're if bhakti, because without a little bhakti, there'd be no jnana, there'd be no no karmakanda. So Ajamil did have a touch of bhakti because he was following the jnana or varnashram, varnashram right. And as he fell into Maya, that Maya, that bhakti went away because that wasn't pure bhakti. But when he when he chanted even a boss, he was that his sinful life was over at that instant when he first chanted his son's name. When he first chanted, not at the end. So that's interesting. And 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 the Vishnu Dudas are making the point. Or Vishwanath was making the point in the commentary, he didn't sin again. Although he still did the same activities, there was no sinning in those activities because he was protected by the holy name. Vishwanath's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> heavy on bhakti. <laughs> it's in particular, amongst the commentators, he's, he's not conservative. He wants to bring it out. It's it's well anti no manism practically uh, in the in it's like Christianity. You know. Just believe in Jesus. Right. <laughs> and that's it, and sin away. You know. Krishna says it in the Gita. Sarva Dharman Mami comes sin and come to me. Take shelter of me. Doesn't matter whatever happens, I'll protect you whatever you do, I'll protect you. If my devotee misbehaves and other people glorify his misbehavior, they'll be purified. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
going to say also, because we were talking about bhakti being inherent, and it sounded like... Not being inherent, but some people think it is. Yeah, so I was wondering, is it more like, because uh, you said it's grace, so is it more like, you know, we hear this analogy of like the fan, you know, you're plugged in, well, if you unplug yourself, well then it, you know, it uh, recedes, you know, so kind of like if you're plugged in, it comes in, and if you're not, then it goes away. So, it, and then I guess once you get to a certain stage of being that plugged in, then it comes and it stays. Is that like a good way to? Not entirely, because Uttam Bhakti, Krishna says, Nehebra Kamanashasti Pratyavayana Vidutes, Valpamapiya Siddhanas, Mayati, Triati, Mahatobaya. So, a little endeavor in this is, is eternal. But the, I think you all say about Bhakti under the modes or something like that. Yeah, it was coming, an interesting that coming and going. That's another thing. Here, Rupa Goswami speaking about Uttamakti. So, um, so let's say, for example, now you have good association. You get Bhakti Samskar in this life. Next life, it'll be inherent. So, you know, so, so you could experience it like it's inherent, like something like that. But it's uh, its origins lie in 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 association which is the origin, the seed of our, our potential to be all that we can be, materially, as a person, or spiritually, under the influence of Maya Shakti or Srupa Shakti. But it's really, it really comes down, in a simple way, to understanding the word tatasta. Hmm? What is the tatasta? What is, and then you, you have the two environments, and Satasta is in between. You can go one side or the other. It's not already, you know, on the bhakti side. It's in between. That's why bhakti is also becoming. So, another question? Somebody here? Yeah. And what was this? You're talking about being and becoming. What do you mean by being and becoming? Well, I was explaining this morning that uh, in a lot of uh, the spiritual discourse of Vedanta, the idea is stop trying to become and be. Hmm? We want to be pleasured, we want to be secure, we want to be virtuous. Hmm? So, um, Dharma, Artha, Kama, Artha, Dharma, the way I explained it, right? Dharma means to be, you want to be virtuous, you want to be artha, you want to have security, stability, power, you want to be pleasured, kama, dharma, artha, kama. We want to be these things, right? We, 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 the point of Vedanta is stop trying to become what you already are. You already are a unit of joy that exceeds any measure of joy that you could become by the way you're going about it, by having, by collecting, by acquisition, and so forth. And, and, and you already are secure, hmm? much more than you could ever be by um, winning the lottery or all the other endeavors to build your fence and pay off your mortgage quicker things that you're always busy with, you know, thinking about how can I can be secure. You're eternal. Mm. Mm. Stop trying to be uh, virtuous. Mm. 
good karma. You you are you are a capital G good. Hmm? Right? You're a unit of of um, a virtue. So this is the idea. Hmm? Right? Um, they even will argue don't stop, stop trying to be liberated. You are liberated. Hmm? That's a good one. I really misinterpret that one. In the Neo-Vedanta school, say, I'm already liberated. So, but that's the last snare of Maya, sadhana. I heard that. I'm not going to get caught up in the Maya of spiritual practice. <laughs> so, because we got the idea of sadhana self to be misunderstood, but there's some, some truth to this. So you are you are liberated. You, you are not the body. Not you try to not be the body. You are not the body. You, know, you are not matter. That's a fact. So 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 you know some see schools of gyan, they 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 want to they want to just like you know it's already there. So just like it'll you know I don't know tweak your mind and then you'll get a flash and. It's Satori or something, and you and you'll see it different than something like that. But but anyway, the the point is, stop trying to become, just be. But in bhakti, whatever they want to attain by being, in other words, it, it, their idea of being is is realized. But there's also a becoming in bhakti, hmm? because. Uh, uh, Bhakti, then, is an influence from outside of the jiva that that relates to the potential of the jiva, which again is a, is a unit of reality that is its nature is that it lends itself to nurture, so it can be nurtured and it can become what inherently, in and of itself, it's not. But wait a minute. I thought the Jiva was an eternal servant of Krishna. Of course, if you study that statement in Chaitanya Charjara, it means that the Jiva Shakti is eternally subordinate Shakti to Krishna. It doesn't say that, it doesn't mean that the Jiva has an eternal uh, Dasyarasa, you know, for Krishna or something like that. Hmm? It can also be understood to mean that, 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 it's, it's, that it's full potential. Because you can't define a thing without taking into consideration its potential. It has the potential to reside in the Leela. Again, that's the meaning of Tatasta. So when you define the Jiva in terms of its inherent nature, which includes a potential hmm, to love, for example, if you bring the object of love into the picture, then you fully define the Jiva. And you, and in doing so, you said it's a being that has a capacity of becoming hmm, more than what it can unto itself hmm, by the influence of the Surup Shakti, by the grace of Krishna. It can become. It's not becoming different or transforming. It's subject to transformation, but it has this potential. Hmm, that's part of its constitution. So it's not changing its constitution. It's 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 catering, nurturing that aspect of its constitution, hmm? and then we're defining it in terms of its full 
um, potential of becoming. And in, and in that prema is also an eternal becoming. Therefore, prema is described as full and always increasing. Hmm? It's full of newer and newer uh, nuance and uh, uh, um, new leelas, new... It's dynamic. It's not static, it's dynamic. So there's a being and there's a spiritual becoming. Let's look at it like in the Gita, Krishna says, Free from sojati consciousness, hankering and lamenting. It's what we do because we're trying to become. Hmm? and change instead of being what we are a unit of consciousness such as another. so Nasa it's devoid spiritual realization is devoid of hankering and lamentation hmm? as a result it's it's prasanatma it's, 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 it's joyful this is this is only talking about jnana mixed with bhakti that could result in in the form of mukti but if bhakti becomes prominent, then we find there is a hankering and a lamenting. Lola Samayi. Gauranga Bolite Hobe Kulaka Shari Narutam Thakur is praying, oh, what happened to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Gambira? Hmm? All those emotions, the the, hue, the 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 depth and the breadth of the world, the spiritual emotion that he was living within, the ocean of that, hmm? while apparently confined to a small eight by six room, eight by ten room, hmm? he was living in an, in an ocean of spiritual possibility that could drown the whole world it manifested itself in Sattvika Bhavas when will that come within me and then he says this is how when I get the grace of Nityananda Prabhu then I get the power to cross over samsara and then, brother, I get nurture, he's in Madriya also, nurture the group in Raghunath. Hmm? So, there's a, the whole earth, the whole song is that Baba is about longing, it's about becoming. Hmm? And it says, this, you know, this gown market that doesn't include that, that it's just stop hmm? with Atmas and its identification with Brahman. Hmm? And of course, higher the bhakti, the more emotive possibilities, like we find in the Brajalila, then it's full of these hankering and lamentation, which otherwise, on a 101 level of spirituality, uh, it, as such uh, hankering and lamenting are, are, are absent. Do you understand? 
So there's a becoming, spiritual becoming. As you attain the one of these eternal bhavas, then you're in the hands of the bhava, and then it does what it does. It pleases Krishna. You're still a jiva, you still have will, but now your will is being exercised in relation to the sarup shakti, which is your environment. So your will is is exercised, and it, it is as such that whatever it is, it's, only, it's pleasing to Krishna. Because that's what the sarup shakti does. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the different rasas, and you were talking about the, the um, kind of mixing of rasas and how some are compatible, some are incompatible. And just was thinking about Purnamasa because she's kind of an interesting personality. It seems like she has kind of like a Vatsalya, but at the same time, she has like a Kriyamarma almost kind of. I mean, she, she is involved in. And friendship and, and helping to make the loving, you know, that she was, she's counseling and she's bringing them together. But at the same time, it seems like Krishna does kind of look at her like a mother sometimes. And there's like this. So what are Well, Purnamasi is the is the is the is the is the, is the yoga Maya right. itself. But doesn't she still have a slave bomb? Well, yeah. <laughs> she's peculiar. <laughs> she's, uh, you know, Brenda Davy. Similar. You know. um, but, um, but uh, I don't know if, uh, you know, really, if it was in only places or anywhere in particular on that uh, spectrum. And, and we could look at his Radhakrishna Bhandeshtipika. I don't know where he places her there. But I, I don't think he has. Uh, uh, Identified uh, per se her her study about, but she's she's yes she's very affectionate to Radha she's very affectionate to Krishna she's um, elderly she's kind of a mystical well she's a mystical character in the Leela an elder in that sense for for everybody um, but uh, uh, I believe that what the Goswami said about her really is that you know, she's the primary manifestation of the yoga maya in Krishna Lila, and they just left it at that. So you take yoga maya, I mean, Rupa Goswami, Sanatha Goswami worshipped yoga maya, you know, underneath the Radha temple, there's a yoga maya deity there. Uh, Gopis worshipped yoga maya when they wanted Krishna as their husband. Katyayani, but if you look carefully at it, Form of yoga mind. So she is appearing in different ways in, in a leela. It's like saying, Does the Surab Shakti have a study bob? All the study bobs come out of the Surab <laughs> Shakti. Yeah, yeah. All in yeah, yes. But I want to, you know, just answer according to how Rupa Goswami has. I haven't seen him place her. Vatsalya, Satya, so forth. Not Madhurya. So, Samsakya, mixed with Vatsalya.
Yes. I had a thought. I'd like you to say if it's a valid thought. When you were describing how the um, the cowherd boys, their first tongue is Krishna's tongue, and their second tongue is their tongue. So it's really seeing how their their whole existence is really based on Krishna. I was thinking how. Um, when we chant um, Gayatri, we think, please reveal who is this Pushpanava. And is that um, something like that to understand that our senses really have no action outside of the senses of Krishna and they're meant for Krishna's pleasure? So I was thinking, is this one of the primary understandings? Well, um, I'm reminded of a verse. Uh, from the way you're talking about it, I don't know if it entirely addresses your thought, but um, there is a, a verse from the, uh, I believe, uh, of Narada's um, from the, I don't know if it's, I think it's Bhakti Sutra, probably Raga Panchatra, Panchatra, but that, that one of the verses that Rupa Goswami draws on for his defining verse of Bhakti. Rishikena Rishikesha Sevanam Bhakti Luchate. So Bhakti is defined as the senses being used for the pleasure of Krishna's senses. So I don't know if that answers your question, but um, just I guess that's Bhakti. Yeah, it just struck me. Although they're Swarup Shakti, coming from Krishna, they're Swarup Shakti, they're manifesting this truth. And as Sadhana said, you know, Sadhana practice practitioners um, were asking to understand the truth about Krishna. So it just struck me as this is a truth about Krishna, that uh, the senses are meant for his pleasure. Yeah, that's a truth. It's simple, basically. Yes. It's a perfect example hearing how they Mm -hmm. think that first time is Krishna's (laughs) second time. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) <laughs> okay, good. What's the time? Okay. Thank you all.